Thank you. Good morning. How's everyone doing? It's really good to be settled back after a week uh, overcoming jet lag. It has taken about a week, actually. Very uh, stretching, very long. And up to three days ago, Pastor Lydia was still going to bed at 11 and falling asleep at 5 in the morning. You know, it's like lying in the bed and then listening to me snore, you know. <laughs> and then after that, when she, when she goes to sleep, I wake up and I can't sleep. You know, it's like uh, ticking turns. Uh, but uh, thank God, you know, we put that behind us and we are uh, really uh, fully recharged. Now, uh, we were in Germany, as you know. We spent about two weeks or plus uh, two days with our daughter, Joanna, son-in-law, uh, Jordan, and our grandson, Finn, who's one year old. And you know, winter is, how many of you love to go to a place during winter? You love winter? Any of you? Uh, there are only a few people, right? Most, most people don't like winter. And uh, now I'm an outdoor person, you know. I love to be outside. But winter is cold, which means you have to wrap up. And I still go out, okay? Uh, oh, yeah, I, I forgot something. Okay, don't worry. I'll get to it. <laughs> uh, wait, uh, Wait, let me get back to the story after we do this, all right? Thank you for reminding me. When I get carried away, I get carried away. Okay, uh, before I go on to the story, uh, we want to introduce to you formally our pastoral team. We have a team of 11, and the reason why we are doing this is because most of the members, you only attend one service, and you see a few of our pastoral team that is serving mostly in that service. So, you know, if you come to the English service, you will probably see me. Uh, you'll see our associate pastor, Pastor Lydia and Pastor Thomas. Then you see the rest of the pastors, mostly on the English side. Pastor Chibi, our children's pastor. Pastor Jasmine, uh, overseeing the adults. And then Pastor Wilson, the young people all the way to young adults. And Brother Sama used to be, you know, you, you see him here, but he is now fully uh, assigned to Butterworth side, together with uh, Pastor James, who is the uh, district pastor over the whole of uh, Sabrang Pry, Butterworth as well as Batukawan, assisted by uh, his wife, Sister Clammy, and Brother Sama in the English side. Okay? So then we also have uh, Pastor Joseph, who is overseeing the Hokkien service. That is on uh, Sunday, 5 p.m. And then Pastor Kuihun, which is the Mandarin service going on right now on level 2. Now, some of these pastors, they, they serve alone in the sense that, you know, uh, there are no other pastors with them because the congregations are smaller at this time. But they are not totally alone in the sense that we have a team of 11 where we help each other. And I, when, usually when you don't see me here on Sunday morning, it's because I'm either preaching in the Mandarin service or I may be in Butterworth preaching for the Mandarin service in Butterworth as well. Okay? Uh, but besides that, what we, we also do is we support each other by occasionally preaching for one another and what we would like to encourage our pastors to do is to visit the other congregations and be acquainted because really we are one church. Can you say amen? We are one church with seven services, three languages, two locations, and coming soon, three locations. So uh, we want to really be integrated and we want to work together. So, which means, you know, after this introduction, uh, we, we don't want the people to be surprised, you know, when another pastor walks in, you know, to the congregation and people are wondering, what is he doing here, you know? Come and spy on us, you know? No, no, no. We are just coming to support. We're just coming to encourage one another and to get to know one another because really, uh, out of the 1,000, 400 people in this, all these, you know, 11, uh, these seven services, we all one church and, you know, it's good to have that kind of communication and getting to know one another. So uh, please uh, uphold your pastors in prayer as we work together as a team to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Okay, now back to the story, sorry. <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, in spite of the fact it, 
it was winter, and it sometimes goes down to minus two, three, four, five degrees, you know. Uh, I would still go out in the daytime and walk in the park, which is 10 minutes away. So on this day, as I was walking out in the park, you know, it was snowing, and, you know, the whole place was covered with snow and about three, four inches of snow. So I walked around, and I saw some... People enjoying themselves in the snow. And this is a family. And what I saw was a grandfather with grandchildren. About three, four, five years old, seven, eight years old, you know. And they were sledding. Now, any of you done this before? Any of you? This is, uh, unless you live in a cold country, right? This is not common. So anyway, I saw the grandfathers, you know, uh, enjoying themselves and the children as well. And I was thinking, wow, my grandson, you know, he is one year old and he loves to, to, to you know, do things like that because his father uh, would rough him out, you know, hang him upside down, you know, twist him around, you know, and uh, he enjoys himself, you know, being uh, treated roughly and uh, he likes to go out on the swing. So, you know, I was just thinking, oh, yeah, so bad. I mean, you know, too bad, you know. Uh, I don't have a sled, okay? And so anyway, it, it rarely snows in that part of Germany. So another day as I walked by, I realized the snow is gone. The sun is coming out and it's melting. So as I walked by, I noticed there was something left on the snow, on the slope, you know? And I thought, what's this doing here? Now, you and I, you know, nowadays we use a lot of this uh, recycle bag, right? Use? Please do. Save the planet, <laughs> okay? So th there was a recycle bag, and, but it was only half a bag. That means it was cut, half of it cut off, but the handle was still there. I was wondering, this is very strange. What is this bag doing here? And as I thought about it, I realized it must be there for a purpose, so, this is what I did. <laughs> I sat on the back, held on to the <laughs> handle, and had a go. Here goes. Well, there was not much snow left, okay? But that was the last chance I could, you know, I could do something like that. Now, uh, you know, it's okay, it's good to grow older, but you don't have to lose that sense of fun and adventure. You know, I mean, life is, is stressful, and uh, wherever you can find, you know, a way to just enjoy yourself, you know, after all, it's free, you know, all right? I didn't have to pay anything for it, right? So I did it three times, and that was the third time. And after the third time, I was thinking, should I do it the fourth time? And I realized, better not, because there's not enough snow to cushion the bumps, <laughs> okay? Maybe if I was younger, I would have gone, you know, many more rounds, okay? So anyway, while we were in Germany, uh, it was a very significant time because we witnessed our son, uh, our grandson Finn, pass certain milestones in his development, you know, children when they, babies when they grow, you know, there are certain things that they start to do, you know, like they sit up, you know, then they start to crawl, you know, right, and so each phase is special and especially if it happens right in front of you, right, as, as a grandparent, you know, it's rare because, you know, they live so far away. So when we arrived, our grandson Finn was mostly doing this. And we really enjoyed, you know, watching him, you know. He's a Ferrari driver, by the way. And uh, you better make sure your toes are out of the way because, you know, uh, he can go very fast. And this is Chinese New Year celebration, by the way, so <laughs> he's dressed <laughs> in Chinese New Year, right? And then, the last few days we were there, we didn't even realize that from just a few, you know, tiny, uh, a few little steps, you know, falling down, a few little steps, you know, tentative, that he started to do this. 
okay? <laughs> and he was fully walking, you know, confident. And so, you know, we really enjoy, you know, seeing him do that. Uh, and from crab walk, you know, crab walk. Uh, now he's doing just, you know, straight, straight walk and almost running, you know. So, and it was to us a joy, you know, to see uh, grandson, you know, move from one stage of life to another. And then we heard our daughter say this. I don't want him to grow up. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way before as a parent? I don't want him to grow up. I mean, any of you really look forward to going back to changing diapers for your children? Of course not. And feeding them, you know, meals and, you know, messy. And oh, by the way, our, our grandson is hardly fed, you know, because he eats by himself, you know. He eats Malay style, Indian style, you know, hands, you know, all over, <laughs> right? Uh, and, you know, they, they are very independent. So, you know, we, we don't want our children to remain babies or children. We want them to grow up to become useful people in the world. Now, if that is how you and I as parents feel for our children, our Father in heaven surely wants us to grow up. Can you say amen? And not remain, you know, small and cute, you know, right? That's the time for that, right? But He wants us to move to the phase where we become adults, where we become, you know, independent, useful citizens in the kingdom of God and contributing to our nation as well. So, God wants us to grow and you know, as I thought about myself, you know, uh, at this age, you know, I don't really need to grow, you know, physically. But I realized that, you know, over the years, even though I'm very active and, you know, I exercise regularly, I realized that, you know, my muscle mass, you know, has been decreasing, uh, just gradually, you know, decreasing, right? My weight is the same, more or less, but the proportion of my muscle has been decreasing and that's just basically, you know, a fact of life, right, with age. So, and so I, I, I started to think, you know, I think I, I should put back, I should uh, build some muscles, you know, at least, at the most, you know, I should not lose some more muscles, okay? So imagine if uh, that's what I want to do and that's really what I want to do. Now, what is, what do I need to do to grow some muscles. Well, this is what I'm told. It's not enough to just eat, you know, protein, eat eggs, you know, eat meat. Uh, I need some help. So, this is what is going to help me. Alright? Get some real protein. It's called Amplified Gold. This is GNC, by the way. I'm not advertising, okay? Uh, I don't take it. <laughs> Amplified gold, 100% whey protein. This is milk-based, huh? advanced. So, now, uh, I asked the Ken who, you know, who supplied this. Uh, he, he is uh, from engineer, become a personal trainer full-time. So, I asked him, you know, how much should I eat this you know, to build some muscles? He says about one scoop three times a day. You know? So, so now, imagine uh, I, if I buy this from him, you know, I open it and diligently every day I take one scoop three times a day. I expect my muscles to start growing. Is it going to happen? No, I need to do something more, right? And that is, I need to have some kind of resistance training or they call it weight training. So, for this, I'm going to ask a volunteer to come and help me. Uh, Sean Koo, can you come? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I scanned the whole congregation. I couldn't find another person more suitable than, than Sean, okay? <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you why, okay? All right, Sean, uh, thanks for being so sporting. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you to help to demonstrate to us how this is done, okay? Maybe you can bring this out here. All right. So, now... Uh, I borrowed this from, from uh, Ken and I asked him, you know, how heavy is this? I told him, uh, don't make it too heavy because I might not find a volunteer who can lift it up. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Sean, 
It looks like you have been to the gym before, right? You're born this way. How blessed, man. I wish I could be like him, okay? <laughs> right? He's just born this way. So, all right, imagine if he was not born this way, okay? And he had to do something to get this kind of physique, okay? So, if he goes to the gym now uh, and you want to do, uh, you, want, you want to build your biceps, right? So, how would you do that? Just lift it up like that. And of course, you have to do repetitions, right? I'm told. So the trainer says, you know, you have to do it like about 12, 15 times and at an appropriate weight, okay? Not, this is only 5 kilo, 5 kilo. I think it's, yeah. So for your build, it probably will be like 30 kilo, 30 kilo, you know, or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to, it's got to, it's got to really, you know, come to the place where you feel tired, you know? And then you kind of rest about half in, uh, about one minute, and then you do another round, 12 times or so, and then you rest again and do another round, and then you rest one whole day. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's tiring, you know, and you need, the muscles need to rebuild, right? And then the third day, you do again, right? So, okay, let's just uh, demonstrate, right? Wow, I can feel, I can feel my muscles growing, man. Just watching you, I'm sweating, man. Okay? Yeah, I'm, he's sweating. I, I'm sweating too, okay? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Sean. Thanks for helping us, all right? Give him a hand. Okay, you can leave it here. You can leave it here. All right. Now, you know, just watching him, you know, doing that, right? And just eating this stuff, you know, and watching him, that's enough. My muscles is going to grow. And you're wondering something is wrong with your thinking, Pastor. Is that? You say, why? What's wrong? But you know that this is what happens in the church. You think something is wrong with me when I eat good protein and I go to the gym and I watch people push weights, you know? And I, as I watch them push weights, I imagine, wow, my muscles are growing stronger. Something is wrong with that. Well, something is equally wrong when Christians come to church and take spiritual protein to the sermons in the cell group to their bible reading and then they come to church and they watch other people push weights <laughs> you know sweat and serve and then all they're doing is just watching and imagining their muscles bulging you know something must be wrong with that kind of thinking and it is because it is fantasy it doesn't happen for us to Really put on muscles or build muscles. We must not only be eating protein, which is in this case spiritual protein, the Word of God, through sermons, through Bible studies, but there must be exertion of our spiritual muscles so that we will grow spiritually. Are you with me? Otherwise, we are deceiving ourselves you know we think it's happening when actually it is not and yet this is a very common phenomena in the church of jesus christ i'm not talking about pcc alone okay so i'm not talking about you you can feel a bit at ease okay this is happening throughout the world throughout the world church is becoming a spectator sport where a lot of people come and watch what goes on, but do not actually have to lift the finger, literally. Because basically, they are just watching what is going on when they could be and should be taking part in the action. And so, this is what we want to address. And after a long time of, you know, taking spiritual protein and many doses, you know, a week, and coming to watch people, you know, exercise by their service, by, by preaching, by teaching, by singing, by ushering, by whatever, and they wonder, why is my spiritual bicep, like Pastor Isaac, so skinny still? Because he's not been exerting it. That's why it is still so weak. And so, the problem is not that we lack spiritual protein. The problem is that we are not lifting spiritual weights. We are not pushing 
against the forces of darkness. We are not serving one another in the name of Jesus. And that brings me to one of our five core values. Now, do you notice there's this board on this side? And you wonder, what is there? Now, if I don't talk about it, by the third week, you won't see it already because, you know, um, um, brains are programmed to shut things out after a while. Okay. So what are the five core values of PZ? That means, you know, this is what we are about, right? Let's read out the five statements. We are biblical and relevant, loving all generations, equipping and empowering strong, healthy families, serving, growing together. And I want to address the fifth of these five core values this morning. Serving and growing together. This is what we want to do for everyone who is part of the PCC family. That is, we want to enable every member to discover, to develop, and to deploy their gifts to serve and to grow together to fulfill God's calling. So that means, you know, you, if you stick around with us long enough, you will find out what is your gift and you will know how to use it and we will give you opportunities to use it. Now, why is this important? Because we grow only by serving. Just as we build muscles only by spiritual exertion or physical exertion in that sense, right? Not just by listening to sermons and reading the Bible and so on, but to have a healthy spiritual life, we need spiritual exercise. Just as for a healthy physical body, we need physical exercise. Are you with me? Is there anyone who will say, Pastor Isaac, I don't need physical exercise. I can still be healthy because my genes are good. <laughs> Maybe you are the exception, right? That's very rare, okay? But for the average person, this is something we cannot escape. If we want to be healthy, we must exercise. And so it applies in the spiritual aspect as well. If we want to be spiritually healthy, there must be spiritual exertion and we must use our spiritual muscles. I know some of you may be thinking, but Pastor Isaac, I'm past that stage, you know. I'm an old Christian, 20, 30 years old Christian. I don't need to grow anymore. I'm already fully mature. So there's no need for me to grow. Even if you feel you don't need to grow, you still need to serve because serving is not an option. Serving is not an option. When you look in the New Testament, you see there are a few pictures that are commonly repeated concerning the church. When God wants to describe the church of Jesus Christ, there are certain pictures or metaphors that He uses. Right? And one of the most common ones is that the church is the body of Christ. That means the human body is a great analogy of the body of Christ, the church. So I want you to read with me this passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. And as we read, you will see God's desire for His church. Let's read out loud. This is the Word of God to us. Let's go. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, 
speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and we know that as we listen to Your Word that You will speak to us by Your Holy Spirit so that Your Word will produce fruit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we see this is the will of God. God wants every church, local church to grow. Can you say loud, Amen. Amen. This is God's desire as much as we desire our children to grow. We, God desires His local church, which is the local body of Christ, to grow. And, you know, this only takes place when all the members grow together. You know, can you imagine if, you know, your, your one hand is growing and the other hand doesn't grow? It would be terrible, right? So, in other words, there must be a proportional growth. And, you know, the whole objective is this. If you look at the verse 15, God wants us to become the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. That means the body must mature to fit the head, to catch up with the head. Now, you know, this in itself is a little parable. Let me ask you, Jesus Christ, who is the head? Jesus Christ, right? Okay. Does the head need to grow? Yes or no? It doesn't need to grow. The head is, the, is Jesus Christ. He's perfect. The body needs to catch up with the head, right? And, you know, as I thought about this as while preaching last evening, as I thought about this, I was thinking, you know, why are children so cute? Why are babies so cute? Because the head is big. It's out of proportion to the body compared to adults. That's why they're so cute, right? Because the head is, is bigger and the head doesn't grow much <laughs> over, over time. It is the, the body that needs to grow. So in that sense, a newborn baby is like a picture of the church. The, the body needs to grow to catch up with the head, okay? And... This happens when every member is serving and growing at the same time. So there are no spectators in the body of Christ. Uh, really, uh, there are no non-serving members, organs in the human body. You know, when you look at the anatomy of a human body, whether it is a, a visible member or an invisible member, you know, that is unseen, huh? Every part is essential. If any part stops working, you are in trouble. You are in big trouble. You know, imagine uh, if, your, if your stomach stops working, right? So what happens? You know, you cannot eat. Well, you can still bypass the stomach and, you know, have liquid nutrition go to the intestines, but life would not be that enjoyable, right? And, but what if your intestines stop working? You will not live for more than a few months because, you know, you literally will starve to death. You can go on drips and so on, right? But what if the other organs stop functioning and you know, just stop doing their work? For example, if the heart or the lungs stop working for even five minutes, we're talking about a funeral. Because these are absolutely essential. There are no non-serving members in the human body. There are no spare parts, so to speak, right? And if that is true of a human body, it is also true of the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. There is no spare parts, you know? So would you tell the person beside you, you are not a spare part? You're not. You're not spare. We need you. The church needs you. Come on, tell the person beside you, the church needs you. Yeah, you are not spare. There's no spare parts, okay, in the body of Christ, okay? And now, I know some of you are thinking, 
Uh, yeah, pastor, no need lah. We have staff, you know. You see, we've got 11 pastors, it's not in show, right? And then we have other admin staff, you know. Let them do the work lah, you know. We hi- after all, you know, we, we pay them, we hire them to do the work. I want you to know that we hire staff only when the volunteers cannot cope with the ministry. In other words, when the, the task grows beyond the capacity of a volunteer, that is when we hire staff to coordinate the work of volunteers and to help in the training of volunteers. But volunteer ministry is the norm of a local church because the local church is a volunteer organization. And when you look back at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, I want you to, to, to see for yourself what is the primary calling and responsibility of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are they called to do? Are they called to just do the work of service or to equip God's people for work of service? It's very clear. It's to equip, right? So which means the pastor's job is to preach and teach the Word of God, do training, do equipping, encourage people to serve and help them to serve more effectively so that as a result, everyone is involved in the life of the church. That is our primary call. Of course, we, you know, we don't mind doing the works of service. This is part and parcel of the calling, right? Now, I've also heard Christians talk like this. But pastor, let them do it lah. Because they have gifts, you know. A sister can sing. The brother can talk so well and teach, you know. I am not gifted. But I am not gifted. Is that true? That, you know, you don't have a gift? 1 Peter 4.10 and many other scriptures correct that idea. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. That means all of us have received some gifts. Maybe less than others, but we do have. And we are to use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, right? So that means, you know, we are to use our gifts. And all of us have gifts. But the way we use our gifts will depend on our internal motivation. That means the way God has given us a motivation inside. Now, to make this clear, Paul explains it in Romans 12. And I want you to look at this. And if, as I read this, I want you to look at the seven different, the at least seven different ways that we are inclined to serve. Okay? That means this is our motivation. This is the way we approach service. Right? Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many... So, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then Give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So there are seven primary ways that we are motivated to serve, okay? according to the way God wired us. And that means even though there's a need, there is something that needs to be done, each of us will respond in a different way. Now imagine this scenario. This can very well take place in a, a cell group. And we know we are a cell-based church where everyone is encouraged to be in a cell. Now the cell groups, many of the cell groups, after they finish the cell meeting, after one hour and a half, then they come to the very enjoyable time. It's called fellowship. And they bring out all the makan. So this sister is very excited because, you know, she has cooked a special curry. 
she goes to the kitchen and she brings the pot of curry out. And as she comes out into the living room, she does not realize that, you know, the children are actually starting to play because they, you know, they couldn't wait to be released from their kids' slot. And they come out and they start chasing each other. And he do she doesn't realize this small little kid is running, you know, underneath, you know, just out of sight, right? And she trips over the child and the whole pot of curries spill out onto the whole dining hall, you know. It's curry everywhere. It's a really messy scene. Now, imagine, this is a scenario that can happen. This is typically IGC, intergenerational cell, okay? It can happen, right? Now, how will each of the cell members respond? It depends on which of the seven primary motivations they have been given by God. Without anyone even saying anything, the one who has the gift of leadership or motivation to lead will start organizing things, okay? Hey, somebody get a mob, you know, and uh, get the children out of the way, you know, and, you know, he makes sure, he or she makes sure that, you know, everything that needs to be done is quickly organized. That is the motivation for leadership. Of course, the person who has the gift of serving has already disappeared. He's gone to look for the mob. Okay? Nobody needs to tell him because that is his gift. You know, he loves to serve by actually getting involved and getting his hands dirty. Okay? And the person with the motivation of mercy is the one who will be the first to go to the sister, put a hand around her and say, Are you, are you okay or not? Did you, did you sprain your, 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 your ankle or not? You know? And don't, don't worry, you know, uh, you, you feel bad, but it's okay. And the person with the gift of encouragement will say to the sister, Oh, it's okay, it happened to me before. Okay? It's no big deal, lah, right? Once in a while, this kind of thing happens, you know? Don't feel bad. And the one with the gift of giving will announce, Don't worry, I ordered pizza already. Tonight's supper is on me. Right? His motivation is giving, you know. He, he just loves to find opportunities to give. He doesn't have to be asked, okay? And the person who is motivated to teach, after a while when everything is settled down, he says, I wonder what we can learn from this incident. There must be a lesson here. And the person who is motivated towards prophecy will say, is God saying something to us? Maybe we ate too much during Chinese New Year. <laughs> and God is saying it's time to fast. <laughs> okay? <laughs> he is just looking for an opportunity to speak for God. Okay? Now, is any of these things, you know, any of these approaches good or bad? No. They're all needed in a situation like that, right? In its own proper time and way. But each person will respond to a need in the way that they have already been wired by God. And all of it is needed for the situation to be addressed and for the need to be met. So this is why we need everyone in the body of Christ to function, to start doing something, not just to take spiritual food, but to start lifting the spiritual weight so that everyone can grow together. Can I say amen? Amen? Now, there's another metaphor that's also very common, and that is the church is more than just a body. In fact, it is a larger gathering. Ephesians 2 verse 19. That's what Paul says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His what? Household, which means family. Members of the family of God. We are all members of God's family. And when you belong to a family, any family, there are mutual common responsibilities. Can you say amen? Is that true? You're supposed to support the family, you know, you're supposed, there are certain things that you need to contribute, right? And while, you know, we all have gifts, we don't have to have a gift to begin serving in our family, okay? 
Because every member has a responsibility in the family, and it's a privilege to serve. Now, how many of you, as you were growing up, and your parents ask you to do this, or even right now, you know, your spouse, more likely your wife, asks you, you know, can you go and clean the room, okay, and wash the toilet? And your response, sorry, I don't have the gift of cleaning. <laughs> I don't have the gift of cleaning. And, you know, if you ever say that, you're in trouble. If it's to your parents, okay? And if you say it to your spouse, your spouse may answer, but I also don't have the gift of cleaning. So who's going to do the cleaning? <laughs> All right? So, you know, these, these are not something that require gifts. It is just a, a basic mutual responsibility. Let me ask you, you know, how many wives actually have the gift of cleaning here? Any of the wives here, you know, you just love to clean, you know? Your water bill is 200 ringgit, you know? You just wash, 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 wash again, wash again, you know? It's like, none of us have the gift of cleaning, Okay? You know, we clean only because we have to, right? And, uh, you know, but some people say, I, I don't have the gift of cleaning, la. I don't have the gift of doing housework. La. If I fold, fold the clothes, my wife will take everything out and fold all over again, you know? Wasting my time, wasting her time, you know? It's like, you might as well you do it one time, la, you know? So, uh, and those are just excuses. But, and, and this highlights the fact that really, uh, in some families, the things have you know, this mutual responsibility has shifted. I, I realized this when we visited a cell group some years back. This is about maybe 10, 10, 10 years ago. Fellowship time, you know, end of fellowship. Everybody take the dishes, you know, and as good Malaysians, you know, we want to, you know, don't just, you know, treat other people like servants, right? So we want to go and, you know, take the dish to the kitchen, right? And as some members take it to the kitchen, then the host... Say, oh, never mind, no, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know, and take the plates, right? And then as he took the plates to the sink, the daughter, who is about maybe five years old, you know, said to the, the father, Daddy, why are you washing the dishes? Let kakak do it. Let kakak do it. That means let the full-time professional help, professional maid do it, okay? And I thought about this and I wonder, wow. That is the norm now. That means children are going to grow up thinking, you know, I have no domestic responsibilities, you know. Everything is going to be done by professional servants at the house. Now, this is probably happening in some homes, all right, not all. But I want you to know that in the church, the family of God, there are no professional servants, Okay? <laughs> There are no professional servants, right? Which means all of us have to chip in. All of us have to function and function in what is called servanthood. There is no gift of servanthood, by the way. You look in the Bible, there is no gift called servanthood. But there is a responsibility to serve. Can you say amen? So, there are servant functions for every one of us because we belong to a family. And PCC is a spiritual family. Can you say amen? Yeah, there are servant functions. And so, you know, every believer needs to be involved in at least one serving function, one ministry, whether it is official or unofficial, okay? And we have many official rostered ministries. And, you know, this is very good because as you do so, you will grow and in spite of the fact that, I mean, we, we have uh, people from different age groups, and some say, oh yeah, but it's so hard for me to get out of the house, you know. Well, as long as you can pick up the phone and talk to someone and pray for someone, you have a ministry. You can pray. That's a ministry as well, okay? It doesn't have to be a formal ministry on the roster, okay? Unless you're in a coma, then you don't, you know, you can't perform any ministry, right? So, this is something that is expected of every member of a family. God wants us to become more like Jesus, the servant. You see, this, as we serve, we become more like Jesus. Now, Jesus, when He came to us, He, he came as a servant, and this is the very deep theology of Paul. 
uh, Philippians chapter 2. Now, I want you to, to see that, you know, there's very deep theology at the second half of this passage. But verse 6 frames this whole passage. In other words, what is he trying to talk about? He says, in your relationships with one another. That means how we relate to one another. This is what he's trying to encourage us. Relate to each other with the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, this is very deep theology, but it flows out of the concern that we relate to one another with a servant mindset, that we are prepared to serve one another. Why? Because Jesus Christ has set the example for us, humbling himself, not only to wash the disciples' feet, but to take our sins upon his own body all the way to the cross. And so, I put it to you that we are most like Jesus when we serve. You know, how many of us have ever prayed, uh, Lord Jesus, I want to be more like you. Come on. Yeah, I've prayed this before. Good prayer, right? Okay. You are most like Jesus when you serve because Jesus was a servant. Okay, Go back and Consider whether you want to pray this prayer again. <laughs> Jesus, make me more like you. Jesus said, I'm a servant. Are you, ready? Are you prepared to serve? Okay. <laughs> Why he came to serve? He could have come to a palace and to be treated as royalty, but he chose to come as an ordinary person, as a humble servant king. And this lesson was so difficult for his disciples. After three and a half years, even as he was going to the cross to die, they still didn't get it. They were still trying to fight for positions of honor. And so Jesus had to correct them. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are get regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. That means, you know, this is the idea of greatness in the world. If you are great, you can command a lot of people to obey you, to do whatever you want them to do. And you can have a lot of servants serving you, okay, both at home and in the office. And then Jesus said in verse 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, this is what Jesus taught his disciples. This is the very one of the last teachings before he went to the cross. And as you read this passage, I know some of you might be thinking, Pastor Isaac, it doesn't apply to me. La. You know, Jesus says, whoever wants to be great, you know, I don't want to be great. La. Average is okay for me. You know, Jesus says, whoever wants to be first, I don't want to be first. La. As long as I'm not last, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay for me, you know. I don't care whether you want to be first or, or second, right? The fact is that Jesus is asking us to follow his example. Because he says, even though I am the son of man, which is a title, which is a, a very important title in, in Jewish understanding, okay? The one who comes to save. Uh, he says, even though I am the son of man, I did not come for people to serve me, which is what you would expect. But I came to serve and to give. So he's saying, 
that you need to follow my example. He serves us. He pays the price for our sin. We cannot pay for ourselves. He went all the way to the cross to die in our place. So he served us in a way that we could never do it for ourselves. Okay? And then he says, I am a servant. So what's the implication? That we follow his example. And we serve. But there's another side to the story. Does God even need our service? After all, He is all-sufficient. And Paul mentions this in Acts 17.25, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything. Rather, He Himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So, does God need anything from us? Absolutely nothing. Can we serve Him? No, His car never breaks down. He never gets lonely or depressed or tired. You know, he does not need us to, to physically serve Him. And He doesn't need anything from us either. Whatever we can give to God was given to us by God and already belongs to Him. So whatever we give to Him is already His by right, okay? So all we can do is simply come and humble ourselves and say, Jesus, thank you for serving me by your death and your sacrifice and paying the price that I could not pay. Thank you for serving me as my Savior, as my healer, as my provider, as my guide. That is what we can do. And once we have allowed Jesus to serve us, then we are ready to follow His example. And Jesus gives us the power to serve when we follow His example. Can you say amen? He enables us to serve Him by serving other people. You cannot serve God, but you can serve Him by serving other people in your community and in the family of PCC with the love that He gives to us. So, what are the practical ways that we can do this in PCC? Now, there are many informal ministries that happen in the corridors and, you know, in the uh, canteen as we talk to one another, we can serve one another in the cell groups as well. But in the church gathering, there are some ministries that are formalized and there are rosters and, you know, there are some of these that are, we say, very you know, simple in the sense that, you know, you don't need to give extra time. That means if, as long as you're here, you can take your position and serve, right? Which would be like people on the info desk, okay? And uh, those who can come a little bit earlier and dress appropriately can, and, you know, smile and, you know, give a hand of warm handshake and welcome people and have the gift of, you know, kind of like hospitality, can serve as ushers, okay, which is on uh, the right side, right? Ushering. So, you know, you come about half an hour earlier and that's the time commitment, okay? But then there are other ministries that will require outside of that time commitment. For example, uh, people come early and arrange the flowers, beautiful flowers. I love to look at them. But don't ask me to arrange. Okay? Only some people have the gift, right? And then there are those that require us to go outside like Family Care Centre in McCallum. We are touching 20 old families, you know, by the love of Jesus. And if you can go and teach, even if it's a few hours a week, uh, this will really be good as we extend the love of Jesus to the community. Then there are some other ministries that require special skills or special inclinations. For example... You know, there are people who like to dance and do creative arts, okay? And then camp is like every few years we organize a camp and you just basically help out in the organizing of the camp, right? This is like project basis. Now, something happens every week, as you know, we have the worship service and for this to, to happen, some people have to do the weight lifting, you know? They have to come early as well and exert spiritually and... For example, for worship ministry, there are certain requirements. Uh, not only do you have to be able to sing <laughs> or play an instrument, right? But there has to be spiritual accountability to be in a cell group. 
Okay, and uh, then we also have to have uh, people who come earlier, like if it's Sunday morning, by 8.30 they are here, you know, getting ready, right? And they, they leave same time with us, 12 o'clock. And on Saturday, if they serve on a Saturday team, they, they start at 3.30 in the afternoon and they go back at 10 p.m. almost, right? So it's a long commitment and it happens two or three times a month, okay? So the, com- the commitment levels are different for different ministries. The worship ministry is supported by Tribe, which is basically technical reinforcement, you know, all the people who handle all the instruments, right? If you love to touch instruments, you know, work with them, cameras and, and so on, sound systems. This is a ministry we need more people as well. So all these ministries uh, require people. Now, some of you like to cook. Go serve in the kitchen. <laughs> Get your hands dirty. Right? It's a wonderful way to connect with other people in the family of God. So, you know, all of these ministries enable us to serve. Crowning glory is senior citizens on Saturday morning, 10 to about 12 p.m. We need drivers, by the way. Uncle KL is 80 years old, and he's still driving seniors, some of whom are younger than him. <laughs> okay? So if you can drive, it will really help. Okay? A Hokkien service also require van drivers. So, you know, there are many ministries that, you know, we can serve together. And really, this is part of being a member of a family. Can you say amen? Amen. We use whatever gifts we have to serve, to meet whatever need. And when we do that, we will not only be taking spiritual food, but we will also be lifting our spiritual weights and we will be growing spiritually. And that is what we want to happen for everyone who belongs to PCC. You know, when I look back over my own life as a young Christian, I grew because I started getting involved. I started volunteering. Whatever is needed, I will be there. Whether it is to you know, clean the floor or to arrange the, 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 the tables and chairs, you know, I counted it a privilege. You know, that is what uh, helped me to grow spiritually. And we believe this is what God wants for everyone. Now, I know there are many people here that are uh, something like 60% that are already involved in at least one of these ushered, uh, rostered ministries. And I want you to, to know that God is very pleased with your service. And one day you will hear Him say, well done. Even though it may not be a big task, but if you are faithful, that is what counts. And maybe some of you are, are a bit tired after 10, after a few years, you know, 10 years serving, you know. I want you to know that it is worth it because you are serving God in His family. And some of you are thinking, well, I have not been involved at all. You know, I'm largely a spectator. I come, I take in spiritual food, and then I watch other people lift weights, okay? <laughs> it's time for me to put my hand to the weight <laughs> and do something. Well, next week and the following week, we have a ministry fair There are booths that are open and you can volunteer for any of the ministry. And we urge you to at least serve in one ministry to start. And then the body of Christ will be built up and God will be glorified as we touch people and change lives. Let's pray. Hallelujah. As we bow in God's presence, I believe God has spoken to each of us. Whether we are young Christians or old Christians, whether we have begun serving or we are still watching from the sidelines, I believe God is speaking to us. And as He speaks to us, may we respond in a way that is pleasing to Him. Jesus came to serve us, not to be served. And He has left us an example to follow to follow Him, to be a servant. So, may our response to Him be, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Not later, but yes, Lord. Let's respond as we sing this song from our hearts. Let's stand together.
And as we sing this song, if you have a personal need in your life and you want someone to pray with you, we have pastors and leaders in front to pray with you. So just come to the front if you have a, a need of prayer as we sing this song as our personal response to the one who came to, to serve us, our servant king. From 